Everybody left me, Mary. Why wouldn't you? Saw taillights last night in a dream about my first life. Everybody needs to look out. The lever. Get away from that lever. You'll blow us all to atoms. Alright, welcome everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host Rob Elba. You know what this is. This is a music podcast and we have guests on and they pick a record and we discuss the hell out of it. And that's basically it and that's what we do. And uh, I'd like to welcome to the show, first time guest. He's been a patron for a long time, right? Yes. But this is first time on the show from Portland, Oregon. Welcome Todd Bauk. Welcome to the show, Todd. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. And thanks for introducing me to a whole bunch of new music through the years. Oh, good. That's great. I always love, uh, I like to hear that when people say that. Uh, yeah, yeah, because it's great. And, and, it, and the show has, introduces me to a whole bunch of new music, too. It really does. Uh, and like this episode tonight introduced me to a band that I'd maybe heard of but knew none, nothing about. And as far as I know, I'd never heard before. And I've really been enjoying the record at first uh, as usual i have a little curve at first i'm like wait what but uh yeah then uh it's great so all right so uh let's hear what are we talking about tonight we are talking about the 59 sound by the gaslight anthem yeah the gaslight anthem okay so a newer band right uh and uh this, this century yeah right am, this century I, i'm excited i'm listening to music from this century no that's great yeah they're very you know anyone uh, like around you know around our age that do that I'm, I'm always very very proud and very impressed yeah so this record came out in uh 2008 so how did you become a fan of this band Gaslight Anthem? really i don't think there'd be any way that I, well, I did miss this band initially, but I found them um, because I'm a fan of what I think are three of their biggest influences. And finally, Spotify just linked me up with, oh, so you like these three? You're going to like this one. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So what? obviously one of them I know is a, a Bruce a, a Springsteen. It's got to be Springsteen. Yep, so yep. what's the other two? I would say that the other two are Social Distortion and The Replacements. Separate my body 
Yep, uh, valid, all valid, especially social uh, distortion and uh, the boss for sure. So, first of all, are you from New Jersey? I am not from New Jersey, no. I do have very good friends, though, that grew up in New Jersey. And one time, Bruce Springsteen opened the door to the Stone Pony and held it open for them. That is as close as I've ever gotten to New Jersey. So I haven't been driven through New Jersey. Okay. All right. So, But these guys are from, they're from uh, Brunswick, New Jersey. And, And yeah, there's no getting around the Bruce influence. But um, but it's a very but they're also a punk band and they write great songs and the songs like some of them remind me of like really amped up Bruce Springsteen songs because you know these uh, these songs move and this album moves and it's just it, it, you know at the end of the day um you know spoilers for those of you jaded people that are too cool for school this is a very earnest record and and that's just the way it is so you're gonna have to get over yourself a little to enjoy it uh but once you get over yourself and get over the fact that yeah this kid sounds like a young Springsteen, um i i think you really love uh, the album because they're just the songs are great right yeah and i think that's that's a really good word to use earnest um you know and and i use the those three influences springsteen is obviously the foundational influence but I would say the social distortion is kind of like the crazy neighbor across the street that it was an influence on him as well. Right, right. And then, you know, you bring in the, I don't know, the cool uncle or the cool aunt of the replacements and Paul Westerberg. Right, right. Johnny, what a mess. galvanizer and yeah it it, it all it, it works for me yeah yeah no it does yeah the singer uh, brian fallon has this raspy has a really great raspy voice which does remind me aside from bruce uh paul westerberg which just like i'm a sucker for which you you probably are too right i'm just a, a sucker for rock and roll singers that have that authentic rasp to their voice uh, that doesn't sound like they're putting on a, uh, you know, airs or anything. It's just their voice, you know, and not necessarily. I, w- I was reading a little about the band and uh, he obviously Bruce, uh, I'm Bruce, Brian found was a fan, Bruce fan, but the other guys in the band weren't, they were right. uh, younger guys. Right. And they're, but you know, ob- obviously they probably heard them being compared to it. So then they dug in, let's do it. And yeah. Oh yeah. He's great. I mean, no one's even, you'd have to be a total idiot to say, Oh, Bruce sucks, you know, Bruce Springsteen sucks. Even if you're not necessarily into him, you know, you're, uh, yeah, you, you just, uh, unless you were a hater, a total hater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and there was definitely, I mean, when I first was introduced to Springsteen, it was the late 80s and it was born in the USA and he was everywhere. And I'm like, oh, God, this right. is too Right, yeah, oh, the, same for me. Yeah, the same for me. And I, and, and I think maybe Bruce even thought the same thing, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> at that point in time in his life. So, but right. yeah, Todd, there's, there's one thing, I don't know if I told this story on here before, but there's something always like a Bruce Springsteen, a punk rock connection for me that I'll never forget in the eighties. I, I, I played down here in South Florida. I was in a band called the X-Cons in the eighties and the owner of this club, uh, 27 birds, Richard Shelter, who was this uh, promoter guy, it was his birthday and he wanted to do, like he got the, the guys in my band to, to be his backing band. He wanted to sing the songs. And one of them was a Bruce Springsteen song, uh, the song Two Hearts, which I guess was on the uh, river that had come out kind of recently. So we were rehear- at the club, like rehearsing this, going over it. And Isaac uh, Baruch, who was the singer for the Reactions, uh, this great punk band down here. And he was then, uh, the Reactions had already been done by then. He was in a band called the U.S. Theories. But like he was the he was like a sort of local punk icon guy, just like this punk rock guy, untouchable. He's in the reactions; they were fucking great. They were like the Miami version of the Buzzcocks. and great great songwriter but i'll never forget we're starting to play two hearts and isaac just runs up on stage and starts singing along with richard and singing knowing every words and i'm like i and i and I, we did that and then i looked at richard and i go isaac's a springsteen fan and he said richard said he's from jersey <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it ends up yeah of course he was a huge bruce springsteen fan even though this punk rock kid from new jersey because yeah Yo. it's a real thing right yes <laughs> it is all right so uh, the 59 sound uh let's yeah let's get into it let's start listening to the record uh starts out there's a lot of uh, you know i'm i'm sure you noticed there's a lot of references like book references literary references band references i mean this kid loves throwing in references right yes (laughs) yeah and you know some of them are um almost like sampling. I mean, not literally, you know, sampling the sound, but he's just grabbing them and just just placing them in. And when you know he's doing it, I started to all of a sudden go, oh, well, where did this one come from? This phrase sounds... Exactly. Right. Yep. I was doing and the same thing. And you start thing. Googling, you're like, oh, well, that's so-and-so. So there's going to be a lot of Easter eggs. Oh, man, stuff. there is. I don't even think... I, I gave... After a while, I g- gave up even trying to find him. And I said, oh, I'm just going to enjoy the record. But, yeah, uh, well, after a while, I'm like, well, maybe I don't need to bring this one up. Right. You know? There's so many, but the first song, the opening track, "Great Expectations," obviously a reference to the, partially a reference to the novel by Charles Dickens, which it's not even the only Charles Dickens reference, right, on the album, which is crazy. But let's listen to the opening track, "Great Expectations."
Yeah, so uh, right away, he, he also loves to throw out the girls' names, a very Bruce thing to do. Mary's talking about Mary. Who knows if it's a real, you know, if there's an actual Mary or if he's referencing a Mary from some other song. Yes, yes. I don't know how many Marys there are in uh, American pop music, but... There's got to be a lot of them right. in Hubbard, <laughs> and Bruce Springsteen songs. So Now, was this album the first uh, uh, Gas Light Anthem that Spotify threw at you? Was was this your first it one? It probably was, and it took me a little while to catch hold of it. I mean, it was like, oh, yeah, this these songs are cool. But, um, you know, at first, I, was, I, I they sounded a little bit alike. And, you know, that's kind of like, that's you know. That's true, the, right. To, to say that is like one of my opening theses on the, on the podcast, you know, might be shooting myself in the foot a little bit. But um, but the, at first they did. But then you start picking up on a lot more of the nuances and the lyrics. I mean, I'm, I'm a big lyrics person and just being able to, you know, not even just digging or digging into them on paper yes but just being able to pick up on them and being able to sing along with the song and then you know as it, it went from there you start catching up on how he can just drop you into a scene yes yes in the lyrics and some of it is the references to other songs right right which is good because he's a young guy and and that's just you can't help it that's what young people do because they got a lot of them you know got introduced to stuff from their parents and maybe their grandparents and it be, it be, it's a whole part of their life that they're gonna reference yeah in the set it's funny we didn't get to it but in the bridge the couplet funny how the night moves humming a song from 1962 Bob Seger. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Bob Seger reference exactly. from Night Moves. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you know what? You're. I had, Todd, I swear I had the exact same experience with this because at first I'm like, oh yeah, this sounds cool, but yeah, they all sound the same, but no. But there is a, a richness to the songs when you go in, you, you keep noticing stuff. And you're right. He's a great lyric writer and he's great at telling a story, especially he has these, he, he does this thing like like uh, great short stories do, where he'll open it up with this uh, a couplet and it just makes you want to know what's the story? What's he singing about? You know, who are these people? And it just draws you in. Yeah. And, you know, from the Easter egg uh, perspective, you can't just drop an Easter egg in. You have to be able to do something with it and make something new out of it. And I think that he does that with these, you know. He does, like, or else it would just be total it would just be like cliche and it would be like hack. It would yeah. be kind of hack. And it could be, you know, it, it could easily fall into that. But he's no, he's you're right. He's really good at uh, picking his marks and also doing. Although, I don't know, some I swear the one thing, Todd, I'd, I'd read some I, I'd read some of the lyrics and I'd go, wow, that's great. I'm thinking, well, wait, did he write that? Or I wonder if he took that. And the story that I found was that his mom was a folk artist and she taught him through folk music, how to look for the folk artist doing exactly the same thing. So who did Dylan borrow this lyric from? Oh, right, 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 right. Drop into this new song. And where did the where did that lyric come from originally? So this is, you know, to him, I'm envisioning to him, this is just writing music. And this is how it's done. Their first album, album, Sink or Swim, had it a little bit. Their third album maybe didn't have it as much. But um, but yeah, it's still there. Yep. 
Uh, all right, now we get the title track, the 59 Sound, which, uh, oh man, it's such a great song, and there's a, there's a little to unpack, but let's listen to it first, the 59 Sound. So, Todd, uh, did you read that, uh, I guess, uh, a friend of his had died in, in a car crash, and that's partially what this is about? I didn't read that, but that's definitely what I assumed. Right. Yeah. A friend, and, and, and it's sort of like wondering what uh, what people, you know, what it's like to die, which is something, that, you know, a, a young person, you know, a lot of times that happens, like the first someone, one of their friends dies, and all of a sudden you're confronted with death and wondering what, what people hear when they die. So, uh, yeah, really. Uh, all right. So the, the second Charles Dickens, because I, I didn't know when he says, I, I hope we don't hear Marley's chains. We forged Marley's in light chains. and Marley. Uh, that's um, what is it? Uh, Jacob Marley from uh, a Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. Yeah. And Marley's <laughs> chains. I looked that up. Um, his chains represent the things you prioritize in life that are shackled to you for eternity. Ah. So even Marley's case was his you know, wanting to make money and whatnot. Yes, but, you know, right, right, like, right, right. But we probably all have the opportunity to, or maybe the, the future of having Marley's chains, so to speak, attached to us, whatever our priorities are. So make sure that they're the right priorities is what I took from it. Right, right, right. Yeah, and it, and it makes it, it's pretty heavy. Like when he's saying, did you hear the rattling chains in the hospital walls? It's like, yeah, yeah. it's it's already yeah. too late. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I definitely recommend going on YouTube because Springsteen uh, in uh, Glastonbury in 2009 at Glastonbury and in Hyde Park, he came up and sang this with them. And it's it's great. It's hilarious. He, he's great. And, and, and it's great that he did that. But he doesn't know all the words. really. <laughs> he's flubbing some of the words a little bit. Supposed to die on a Saturday night. Supposed to die on a Saturday night. Supposed to die on a Saturday night. 
He yeah. obviously really likes the band and loves it, but maybe he didn't spend enough time with the song. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a ten, there's a ten year retrospective article that I found, and um, apparently Brian, when Springsteen said that he wanted to do that, Brian's like, "Well, do you know it?" Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was like, you know, <laughs> and. You know that's that that was. Uh, it, it's great. No, it's just great watching yeah. it, uh, especially in uh, Hyde Park, and just you, the you could see the look on his face when Bruce is coming up and they're singing together in the same night, and you know, yeah, this is like yeah. His dream well, coming Bruce true. was playing his backup guitar, and you yeah. know, playing Brian's backup guitar, and there was all sorts of things going on there. Yeah, but Les Paul it, Jr. It, when did you ever see Bruce Bruce play a Les Paul Jr.? He wasn't playing a Telecaster. Yeah, it's crazy. A yellow Les Paul Jr. Exactly. Yeah. Um, hey, and in this song, I want to give a shout-out to the drummer. Oh, okay. And throughout this album, that snare drum is a constant beat that is just pushing everything forward it uh, you're right you're right it is it's very uh propulsive he's a very propulsive way of play and very yeah and very amped up and uh he's obviously uh, benny horowitz he's obviously one of my people uh, a member of the tribe uh, benny horowitz so yeah, shout out yeah. To benny. <laughs> yeah and i think that that's a big sound of of this album and all of their music is his his snare drum is just pushing everything forward and right yeah yeah, it's great, and it's sort of and and it, and it does give everything sort of a a little over the top modern feel to it, so it's not so retro sounding, you know, retro just like a just like a, a Bruce copy band or something like that. It, it, yeah, it definitely lifts him up uh, to the next level. The, the whole band does. I mean, the band's really great, and I guess I was reading on the first album they did really quick, but this one they got to spend a little more time and and spend a little more time in the arrangements and stuff, and it really shows on the songs, I think. Yes. And the, um, who was the producer? The producer, uh, he produced the Dropkick Murphys. He's a founding member of Flogging Molly. Oh, okay. Okay. Ted Hunt. I really don't know anything about him other than I know those two bands. And Right. Well, he, he did a great job because the record does sound great. And all right. So the third song, now we get Old White Lincoln. Again, this is more punk rock via Springsteen uh, poetry again, but it, but still, like you said, pretty damn good. Yes. And pay attention to the bass. The bass in the intro really creates a feel for this. Okay, nice. All right. Old White Lincoln.
And you know, Todd, the bass player, Levine, Alex Levine, I don't want to make this a whole Jewy thing, but he may be a member of the tribe too, I think. He could very well be. <laughs> look at these, look at these Jewish kids rocking out. I love it. Um, yeah. Yeah, just great. I love that you and your high top sneakers and your sailor tattoos and your old 55 that you drove through the roof. It's just like uh like I said, it's it's you know, it's classic uh, uh poetry like rock and roll Bruce poetry, but it's done really well. And and he does uh paint a story with the words and he tells uh you know, and and he tells these little short, you know, every song is like this little short story and and they're and they're good. They're really good. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw where that chord- Chorus was actually supposed to be the bridge, and the producers like, yeah, that's too good of a line. To, oh, to waste on a bridge, we got to make that. The you just say it once. You got to say that line a bunch of times. Right, right, right. <laughs> and you know the uh, the thing that struck me with this song is right out of the right off the bat, and this again is kind of uh, you know a kid. I'm an '80s kid. I went into high school in '81, came out of college in '89. And that opening of that song and that bass line, it just reminds me of one of those huge late 70s cars that oh, kind okay, of okay. soft suspension and you, you, you kind of floated it down the road instead of drove it down the road. Right, and, right, right. <laughs> and yeah, okay. and that's why I, I pointed that out in the beginning. It's like, yeah, just pay attention to the intro. Because yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. The car starts up, they drive it down the road, but you can kind of feel that you're in the car as well. Right. All right. So this next one, High Lonesome. A reference in this one, a, a kind of crazy reference that I wouldn't have known about until I read about it, but it's really funny. Uh, let's listen to it, and then we will talk right. about the Easter egg. Hi, Lonesome. Okay, so that that line that line's really great, and I I, I really like that line. Uh, Maria came from Nashville with a suitcase in her hand, and I always kind of s- sort of wished I looked like Elvis. Do you know what that's from? I do, but you can do it. Go for it. <laughs> a county from the 1993 Counting Crows song "Round Here," which goes, "Maria came from Nashville with a suitcase in her hand. She said she'd like to meet a boy who looks like Elvis." All right, so Todd, I'm going to posit this in 2008. Referencing a County Crows song in, uh, in 2008 is probably as punk rock as you can get. <laughs> I mean, because who the fuck would do that unless they didn't give a fuck? 
you know what? That's a really good way to look at it. I, I, I just, I was like, well, when, I didn't even remember when the Counting Crows were. Right, exactly. right. I had to look them up. I'm like, when did this song come out? And then I got it confused with the other one. And yeah, you're right. Right? But yeah, fuck. He said, uh, fuck it. I'm not, I love, he probably loved that song. And uh, I'm, I'm referencing that. And then he throws in some Tom Petty and some Springsteen in the, uh, in the bridge, uh, when he says there was southern accents on the radio as I drove home, and at night I wake up with the sheet soaking wet. It's a pretty good song, baby. You know the rest. So there's his first. Uh, he references that song on fire twice on the album too, not once but twice. There's another song where he references. Yeah, yeah. and the high lonesome. I I'm like, what is high lonesome? And so I looked that up, and it had. Um, Apparently, World War One vets, when they were walking home along the railroad tracks, would just let out these yells, and those yells worked their way into actually current pop culture as well. In um, uh, "Man of Constant Sorrow" from "Oh Brother, What Art Thou?" Oh, so, so yeah, so that um, that one song and just you know the the. Um, the characters in the movie there kind of are woven into this as well. So oh, okay, nice. lonesome sound. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, he has a very lyrical way of writing, like this next one, a film noir. Uh, like I said, the, the the first few lines of it, it it's like a short story or that that kind of, you know, you read the first few lines in this one, I'm all washed out by the side of the road, broken bones, Matilda left a note and rose saying baby honey child i've loved you so long but you deserve much better than me i mean that's a great opening because you like want to well, who is this uh, matilda and what the fuck happened you know <laughs> it's great uh yeah it's really good let's just do a little bit of film noir has a different feel than a lot of the other songs on it but the way when he's singing like this when he's not pushing his voice like that you know you know what it reminded me of and i don't want to shit i don't want to shit on another band that i know a lot of people love and and i really don't mind them but the killers do you remember when the killers their second album i think sam's town and they were they were basically trying to be like they were trying to write Bruce springsteen songs and that's what that reminds me of a little but they they never to me they never pulled it off they didn't really pull it off because you could you could sort of hear them 
trying to do that and trying to be, and it didn't feel authentic. But to me, this does feel authentic to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting fooled again. Oh, well, they, no, they're not from Jersey. So. They're not from Jersey. They're from Vegas. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that could be. So, that could be. It could be as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so this one, they he drops the uh, the cultural reference of Monroe hips, if I'm right. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Sugar That's a great line. And everything nice. You got Monroe Monroe hips, your poison lips, and knives. So bringing. There's a connection between that line and Broken Bones Matilda. So, and this is maybe where he influences the future. Broken Bones Matilda is an English band that put out some music as recently as 2017. And oh, really? Video, yeah, and one of their videos, the lead singer is totally done up like Marilyn Monroe, or at least a Marilyn Monroe haircut. Ah, you know? and, okay. <laughs> and that one, I was just like, what? Come on. And then I looked it up. I'm like, oh, yep. Right there. So that tracks. Not, that tracks. Not punk, not punk music, but yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, someone else, an artist that we did, that we covered a, a year or two ago, um, Frank Turner, who's a British guy. But the, the, because I was looking at some videos and I'll tell you one thing. People love like their fans love of, of this band love this band and love and they know all the words of the songs and they sing it and it, their gigs their shows seem like a frank turner too very very joyful and very these you know they the people really love it love them yeah love i got to see them uh the end of last summer oh nice yeah yeah they started their tour here in portland and i gotta be honest i was fairly naive i knew this album and it wasn't until the encores where everybody starts hopping, you know, yeah. and the mosh pit starts to kind of form that all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this band is punk rock. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, but it wasn't until I saw them live. And that's really when I started going and listening to some of their other music oh, and, then okay, okay. and so forth. And I knew I wanted to go and see them. But that's funny. They're, but, you know yeah. what? I, I noticed I saw they're coming here. They're actually coming to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, in a couple of weeks, and I thought about it for a second, but I don't go to shows anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll get a bug up. Maybe I'll ask my wife. Yeah, you should. They should. were they were fun. They um, you know, I, I mean, I don't go to arena shows anymore. No, like, no, I don't I'm kind of over that. But they're a club, and he's kind of a wise acre type mentality or persona. Yeah say on stage there was somebody that was sitting up in the balcony just off to his right and they were not having a good time and oh, no. he kept on just he kept on checking in with him he's like right hey, <laughs> <it's not good." laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> all right so miles davis and the cool you know when you're a young guy you're obsessed with being cool right and uh and i guess no one is is cooler than miles davis in a way so maybe that's uh that's no the, the no i mean he, he put out an album that, that you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> with um, the words in it yeah miles davis and the cool There's just something about the moon So I lay a kiss on the stone 
Todd, I've been paying attention to Benny's snare, and you're absolutely right. Yeah, it is. It's a big, uh, it's it's great. It's a great snare shot. So this one, I would say this one's loaded with Easter eggs. Oh, really? They, I, I didn't. I, I not, guess they. I guess they went over. A lot of them went, went past me. Yeah, no, that's okay. I mean, I I've listened to this album a lot before this year and then this year and, and getting ready for this episode i listened to it a whole bunch i'm going to be able to put this album away for a, right. for a, a, a few months <laughs> and that's enough already right but, um so there's a bunch of things in in here for easter eggs but this is where i'd also say he kind of he breaks the bruce mold because i kind of see this as rosalita by Springsteen, that song. Um, but Rosalita does not go with Bruce. Oh, Rosalita okay. When he's talking off. about the the dad and your dad and stuff. Yes, yeah, you're right. yeah. There's there's just all these little mirrorings of that song. But then he says, you know, don't wait too long to come home. Yeah, Rosalita didn't head out with him. With right, him right, right. In this song, but um, there are some. Easter eggs in here. So, poor Mr. Pitiful is a reference to Otis Redding. Oh, okay. Nice. Did not know um, so, I think they say, like, poor Mr. Pitiful, I can't turn you loose. Can't turn you loose is an Otis Redding song. Um, you mentioned uh, Miles Davis. Well, he mentions Miles Davis, and you say The Cool, but, you know, Miles Davis's album was Birth of the Cool. Right. At one point in time, he says, put on your red dress and your diamond soled shoes. Who had diamond on, diamonds on the soles of their shoes, Rob? Do you remember? Oh, that's um, Paul Simon, right? Paul Simon, yeah. So there might have been a little appropriation there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we didn't get to it, I think, in the sound clip you, that you played, but towards the end of the song, he yells out, Jackson. Oh, yeah, right, right. And there is no reference to, in the song, why would he yell out Jackson? And so the story that I found was that Jackson was the uh, assistant in the recording studio. Oh, okay. And the kid that would go and get the coffee or go, you know, run the errands and so forth. And nobody paid him any attention. And Brian noticed this and he's like, well, I just tried to befriend this kid and I... I found out that he wanted to be a recording engineer or a producer or something like that. And so he, um, so the story goes, whether it's true or not, who knows, but it's a great story, that um, Brian yells out his name, Jackson, in the middle of the song. And then when they're all done, he's like, okay, kid, you got your name on a song now. So, <laughs> And it kind of checks out because they, they released an alternate version um, of this song of Miles Davis and the Cool, and it's just a hay in the alternate version. Oh, right, right, right. Where there's Jackson. So, okay. Right, so somewhere cool. there's somebody running around with, you know, knowing that his name is on an album. I like that. I like that. All right. So this next one, here's your second I'm on fire uh, reference in this one. Uh, let's listen to the patient Ferris wheel. 
Okay, so since you've obviously been doing homework, maybe you know, because I was warning when he's saying, um, I've never felt so strange standing in the Jersey rain, uh, thinking about what an old man said, maybe I should call me an ambulance. What's he talking about there? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I, I do know that in, the alternate, in an alternate version, it was the Cleveland rain, and, and the Cleveland rain didn't work. No. When you, when you listen to it. <laughs> no. So I'm glad you changed it to the Jersey rain. Yeah. But, and, you know, there's Ferris wheels in this song and there's ambulances in this song, but I don't know how they plug together. Right, right, right. I was wondering. I, I was just wondering if that was maybe some kind of Easter egg, some kind of reference that I didn't know about. But I, I don't know. But, you know, it's like there, there's a couple songs with Ferris wheels. I think the last song has a Ferris wheel in yeah. it as well. And, you know, I don't know if that's a I mean. You're from Jersey. Is there, there's Ferris wheels on the boardwalk. I'm been, from Queens. I, all right. So let's stop right oh, there. Oh, <laughs> got it. All right. I got, I'm I'm, I, I, I got to back this up then. Yes. yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Queens. So that's why I've never, I'm not, I'm not a Bruce. I'm definitely not a Bruce hater, but I don't own any Springsteen albums and I just never, you know, and I know we've, we've done uh, one, I think one, I think we did uh, the wild, the innocent and the East street shuffle and it's great. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Not well, there's people from, from Jersey that don't like Bruce Springsteen. So that's true. It's, it's that's okay. true. Yeah. And there's, yeah, and there's people that then they love Bon Jovi. So go figure. Yes, exactly. And this doesn't, this doesn't sound like Bon Jovi. No, so. thank God. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't be on the show then. Todd. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> So there, there is another. Uh, there's a Bruce reference, um, "Broken Heroes." So he he mentions "Broken Heroes" real fast, and that was in Springsteen's "Born to Run." Um, oh right, yeah, that's right. Okay, this might be going off the deep end a little bit, but this one. Do you do you watch Ted Lasso? Uh, I've watched the first season. That's it. Okay. All right. So Roy Kent has got this really deep voice and he's always really gruff. Right, right. And the call and response of the, of the, um, in the very beginning, we'll, we'll fight about it. We'll laugh about it. Right. You know, it just reminds me of Roy Kent, just oh, okay. the character doing the, the response, but well, who knows? Maybe. All right. Uh, Casanova baby. Uh, again, uh, once again, written from the point of view, a lot of these, just someone young, naive, and just like waiting, either their heart's just been broken or they're waiting for their heart to be broken. It's another great song though. Casanova baby.
So we threw in Mustang Sally there. Mustang Sally's left the building. That's a song. If you're in, a, if you're anywhere and the, and the cover and the band starts to play Mustang Sally, you get up and you leave. <laughs> At least I do. <laughs> so that's one of four Easter eggs in that. All right, I had a feeling. Uh, so every Soul Man song is a night I'd like to spend with you, just twisting the night away. All right. Okay. All right, Sam Cooke. Um, but it's quarter past three, which I don't know who this is, but that's Gary U.S. Bonds. Um, you got the midnight hour. It's past the midnight hour with Wilson Pickett. And then, yes, you got Mustang Sally. So in that little short section of the song, you got a number of Easter eggs. Okay, but his thing, now I really, we could run all night and dance Upon the architecture, come and take my hand. I'll give you the rear. I, that that's good. And I was wondering. I wonder, did he write that? Because that's good. I, I like that. I, I like the imagery in that. Yeah, I went looking for it. I think that's his. All right, awesome. Good. For yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. For him. You know, we uh, forget this dead man's town. Dead man's town is uh, is uh, reappropriated from um, uh, Born in the USA. It's the opening opening line of that album. Oh, so. okay, okay. Born down in a dead man's town. Yeah. That was actually there's a there's a, a uh, tribute album with a whole bunch of different artists on it to Springsteen's Born in the USA, and that's what actually swung me back around to okay, this is a good this this, this was a good album. It was way overplayed. It was but, no, you're right. I think every I think almost every song they released as a single, and that almost every one they released too many. Yeah, I think yeah. later they admitted they released too many singles on that album, but it, it yeah yeah. Um, all right, so even Calgary. Now, if if you were gonna take this album as as like a linear journey, this yeah. even even Cowgirls Get the Blues is sort of the point of view. Someone who their friends, some of the friends are starting to grow up and settle down, maybe, but they're not ready yet. You know, he he's not ready yet. Some of them aren't ready yet. Yeah, yeah. and um, it's in some of the some of the readings I was checking out. Um, he actually. Before they even recorded this album, he knew the song order. And oh, like, okay, okay. We're, we're gonna line it up here. It's gonna start out with a great expectation. Oh, what did it start with? Great, great expectations. expectations, and it's gonna end here. And yeah, so it was very linear in his mind. Okay, of, good. It made sense. And he throws out a bunch of names. He's got Sandy, Angry Johnny, and Mary. Uh, let's listen to even cow cowgirls get the blues. Trade. 
time or late at night If you call, I will answer I'm open ears, though tired eyes When the world closed its arms Okay, yeah, so this is when I almost got dizzy. I started getting dizzy from all the references. But he's got Tom, he throws Tom Petty in there. But I also think uh, when he says, and never play no pinball or get out past the breakers, that he's doing Everclear, that Everclear song. Santa oh, nice work. Yeah, yeah I can see it about past the breakers. I can yeah. see that being a song that also he's younger. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, you know, obviously the title is, you know, also a title of a Tom Robbins book. Right, right. You know, I was trying to figure out if, you know, with I still love Tom Petty songs and driving old men crazy. I was trying to figure out if the narrator was a man or a woman, and I'm still, it's still not clear to me because um, at first right. I'm like, oh, I, well, you know, driving I'm the old men crazy is Thin Lizzy. Uh, that's uh, boys are back in town. Okay. Oh, no, there we go. There's another one. I'm telling you, um, yeah, he can't, you, you can't yeah. keep, even you can't keep up. Though. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, at one at one point in time, he talks about Little Eden. Little Eden is waiting, and not while Little Eden is waiting. So, um, I inside the album, Little Eden was the publishing company. Oh, okay, okay. It's one all right short, but all right, all right. Oh, <laughs> Might be coming from Dazed and Confused. Right, they right. actually, in her first album, Sink or Swim, um, they do have a song that's called Wooderson. And I've only seen Dazed and Confused once, but that is Matthew McConaughey's uh, character. Oh, and, okay. and they use the same All Right, All Right in that one, there in that go. song. So that's probably it. So, yeah. And it's still, he's just lacing it all together. And sometimes you notice. And sometimes you don't. Right, exactly, exactly. You, you notice part of it, and you're just like, okay, you just keep going, and it's dropped you. I don't mind it, and for setting. some reason, he's, it doesn't sound gratuitous. It doesn't seem gratuitous to me, and I don't know why. Yeah. I guess it's just... Because it's uh, kind of shorthand. It just creates this atmosphere. Exactly, you know? yeah. I feel like I Tom so. Petty songs, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I, I kind of know what he's talking about Exactly, right yeah. I and all so. he has to do is say that. Yep. All right, so now we get maybe by the river's edge, Maybe the most Springsteen song on an album full of Springsteenish songs. This may be the most one uh, with the most obvious references and just the sound uh, and just the whole theme. Meet me by the river's edge. I mean, come on. Uh, let's listen to it. See, I've been here for 28 years. Padded sweat beneath these wheels. Tattooed lines beneath our skin. No surrender, my Bobby Jean. Cards. 
Okay, so uh, before you hit me with all the references, I just want to point out, too, most of these songs are, are fucking catchy as fuck. Fuck, too. That whole Sally said, Sally said chorus. That just, that's so catchy. I mean, I've, I've been listening to it this week, but I was, I really was enjoying it. Once I knew these songs, I was singing along in my car. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. This is a song and a half. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is so good. You know, we've been burned by all our fears just growing up around here. Our father's factories, it's kind of a Springsteen thing. Yeah. Marked our cards while Eden burned against the stars yeah there's so, eden again <laughs> yeah yeah you know and it's like you know that's just you could read that as a poem yeah i was gonna say that that's it right there rock and roll poetry 101 or punk rock yeah. poetry whatever so we got audrey hepburn pearls cultural reference we know exactly what that person looks like wearing the audrey right hepburn right pearls. yep we like, do oh. we do younger people maybe. yeah you're right we do yeah yeah <laughs> The black and white photo from our youth. Right. You know, yeah, I can no surrender my Bobby Jean. And then Sally, Sally's from uh, the Wild, I believe the Wild Innocent East Street Shuffle. Isn't there a Sally on there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he drops so many names in those songs. Yeah, Sally could definitely. But yeah, No Surrender and Bobby Jean are two separate songs. I'm born in USA and they are sequential on the album. Oh, okay. Okay. So when he, he's singing that out, it's two different songs, but it makes perfectly good sense. No retreat, no regrets, repeating that. Yep, that's yep. from the same song, right. you know, but yeah, you know, it's like, you know, I, my favorite verse on the whole thing is I'm amazed by all the stars, or excuse me, I'm amazed at all the stars beneath the old Hollywood sign. They waltz the ballet up the boulevard to a place we never kept. Yeah, that that's great. You know, and you know, instead of making the stars the actual stars of but up in the sky, he's talking about the Hollywood stars, right? You know, walking the streets, right? And they come, and and uh, they come. So yeah, the the album I really believe is linear because they it sort of comes up again in this next one, which is my favorite. I think here's looking at you, kid, is probably my favorite song on the, on the album, just because it really is so different than anything else on the album. And I just think it's really, it's got a different vibe, but it's just very, very earnest and very well-written, just the, the story. You know, there's the, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, it's my favorite one, too. Okay, there you go. Here's looking at you, kid. You can tell Gail if she calls. That I'm famous now for all of these rock and roll songs And even if that's a lie She should have given me a try When we were kids on the field of the first day of school I would have been her fool And I would have sang out your name in those old high school halls you tell that to Gail if she calls And you can tell Jane if she writes That I'm drunk off all these stars and all these crazy Hollywood nights And that's total deceit But she should have married me 
No matter how cool you are, you're still going to get your heart broken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good Numerous advice. Numerous times. <laughs> Numerous times. Right, right. That's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just very earnest, and he's very vulnerable. Yeah, and I like that line when he's telling about that. I've been spending my nights, you know, with the with the stars in Hollywood, and even if that's a deceit, because he knows, yeah, that's that he's full of shit. He's not doing any of that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's good yeah, you know, and, and it's like three different stages in his life too. It was like you know, grade school or early high school, and the schoolyard and the high school halls, and then maybe late high school or graduation. Could have gotten her out of that town she despised. In that verse, she starts off as Jane, and she and he, then he references her as, as Janie, you know. So, and then the last one, which we didn't get to, but people can go and find it for themselves, is as a young adult moving to the city and waiting for Anna in oh, the yeah, dungeon. Anna. <laughs> yeah, you know, and Anna just she waited too long, you yeah. know, because. The, he wanted this person to tell Anna that a thief had stole his heart while she was making up her mind. Right, right, right. And right. so, and, you know, which kind of begs the question of who is it he's talking to? Because it sounds like he's giving him directions. So, like, it's almost like, you know, talking to his mom or his dad is like, hey, you know, if any of these people check in on me, I'm right, gone. right. <laughs> <laughs> but tell him this is this is what I thought about him. Exactly, exactly. You yeah, know? that's it's good. Like, it's, it's a really great song. Yeah, and then yeah. the the um and the waiter served my coffee with a constellation uh, sigh. Right, you know, right, right, like, right. You know, in, in downtown New York. That's great. Yeah, and I really like that song, and I almost feel like that could have been the last song on the album. But I guess, but they had to get one more a car. I do. I, he hadn't uh, fit the car reference quota for the album. I think so. They, <laughs> Had to do the back seat. Yeah, because they had to have (laughs) one more car reference in the back seat. So let's listen to the final song, The Back Seat. Turn and ask forgiveness for future mistakes. But you have. 
good. I, I I think this is a good last song. And what I like about this song is it sort of took me by surprise because I assumed the backseat it was going to be like some kind of you know uh, young love in the backseat thing, and it's not. It's much more kind of uh, it, it, in a way it's more innocent than that. Just in the backseats, we just tried to find some room for our knees, and the backseats we just tried to find some room to breathe. So it's sort of like uh, yeah, it, it isn't about sex at all. No, it's not. You know, and I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you do, but the back seats of cars used to be really uncomfortable, and it was always for the little people sat back there. Yeah, that's yeah. true, right? And you know, it was like, yeah, and your knees were just ground into the yeah. back of the front seat. I'm six and foot tall. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm think. six two. So yeah, yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time in the back seat, yeah. but you know, yeah, it was it wasn't a comfortable spot, yeah. and you know, I think that this song is important and. Of all places, and I'll come clean, man. I I look at the Rolling Stone magazine all the time, but they had they had a statement in um in their review or like looking at the album ten years later, and it said the '59 sound, the group's breakthrough second album, released in August of 2008, just as global economy was collapsing in the final months of George W. Bush's presidency. Oh yeah, that's and the right. album became. The album became a cult classic, capturing the communal loss of innocence for a generation raised on baby boomer nostalgia that had suddenly found itself facing new uncertainty saddled with student debt, a a student debt saddled future. This is a really good album, and it's a generational album. It's not my generation. Right, right, exactly. You know, but I could totally see this song kind of encapsulating that. Yeah, like, just what he said. It basically encapsulates uh, loss of innocence, the whole loss of innocence thing. And, and yeah, and it does make sense. Like I said, if you think of the album as a linear thing, which you said he definitely did and had it planned out, it is. it really does make sense to be the last song on the album. Yeah. Yeah, good job. So. <laughs> And you know, it was, you know, I, I they could have they could have left it off in on, you know, here's looking at you kid, but you know, they they, they kind of had to bring it back up again as well. And right. So now do you know at all because I read that they took a really long hiatus, right? They kind of took a hiatus, they broke up, and then they, they came it back. Taken a couple, and from what I read is that it was always just when the band decided that it wasn't fun anymore. Okay. And and it was That's the fun. uh one of them said that the some people are built to work within the music industry and the music business and it was the business part that was wearing them down and each time that it stopped being fun they're just like eh, we're kind of over it right now and then they come back together yeah yeah good for them because some yeah some bands just slog it out because they have no other they feel like they just have to and it's all they can do and they slog it out and they're miserable you'll know when you see them because you see them playing you could just tell they're just miserable so uh good for them good 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 for them and yeah this was great this was a really great album to do took me by surprise again i didn't know uh i had no idea and i didn't know they were a new band old band but uh great Great pick, Todd. So uh, oh, you, uh, thank you. you don't have anything to, to plug, right? <laughs> you know, uh, well, I do have a little startup that I'm doing that I've got going on. It's working with teams of talented people. And I actually use a rock and roll framework to help teams work better. Not necessarily that rock bands are necessarily a high functioning group of people, but no, they are not <laughs> a drummer, a bass, a, the drum, the bass, the guitar and the singer. 
it all makes it work and you got to keep it all mixed at proper levels. So, and I've worked that into some team development. Um, okay. So what's that? If anyone's, if anyone finds that interesting at all, where would they go check that out? They would go to three Norths consulting. So three, the number three, and then, northsconsulting.com so for some uh yeah vaguely rock and roll team building consulting i I like it yeah (laughs) so well thank you rob no no problem thank you for being on the show don't forget everyone you can follow me on instagram and facebook at that record got me high also that facebook group got me high so this i i've uh, todd I, I don't know if you've noticed but i basically resigned myself to the fact that my, my voice sounds like this now i sound ever since it's just my i have but it's kind of like maybe i should start singing again because i got like this rasp now right uh, you know, yeah, that's that could be your new ing- angle. The podcast wrap. There, there you go. On Twitter, it's at TRGMH Podcast. You can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com. I get lovely emails. I get very lovely, encouraging. And occasionally, I know I posted one on Facebook. I got some guy that just told me, Rob, just out of nowhere, Rob, I got to tell you, I really hate your little podcast. <laughs> like, why would someone take the time to send me that just to tell me that? <laughs> I love your podcast, and I also love the Facebook group. The Facebook group is fun. Oh, awesome. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And if you want to become a patron like Todd, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TRJMH. Become a patron. You can participate in our patron-curated episodes like Todd does. Uh, They're a lot of fun. So thanks again for listening. Thanks again, Todd. We'll see you all next week. I'm Rob Elba. We're out of here. All right, Todd. Good job. All in one take. Bleeding out from all these wounds I would have gotten her right out of that town she despised You'd tell that to Janie if she writes That boys will be boys And girls have those eyes That'll cut you to ribbons sometimes all you can do is just wait by the moon and bleed if it's what she says you ought to do.